I want to share with you something this morning. I don't, I don't feel very fancy today. Um, and so I don't have some great scripted beginning and opening. I'm just going to just share with you what I feel the Lord wants me to share. And then um, those of you that are going to participate in a discipleship group afterwards, let the Lord lead you to that. But I want to share with you probably one of the most tragic portions of scripture um, that you could find. When I read it to you, you may not understand by just simply reading it why it was so tragic, but I think it points to something not only in our hearts, but points to just something that is just kind of the, the, uh, the crux of the human condition. Uh, I've often wondered and thought about what it would be like to have been able to be one of the 12 disciples that Jesus had chosen. Those men must have been very special. But the more I begin to read about them and study them and look at their life and their reactions to things, I find that they are actually a lot more ordinary. And in some ways, they struggled more than maybe some of us would have struggled. They didn't handle things as well as maybe some of us would have handled. And yet, Jesus continued to teach and train them with great patience and love and kindness. <clears throat> but there's some head-scratching moments along the way. We know some of the big ones, right? We know what Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. Just one of those moments where you just scratch your head how um, but there's some other moments that maybe don't stick out as well but when you really look at them they really defy any kind of true understanding of how do they how do they feel this way but then when I'm honest with myself I probably would have felt the same way maybe even still struggle with the same thing and maybe some of you today are struggling with this similar thing as well. Through the book of Mark, and uh, those of you that have been watching on Sunday mornings now for the last couple of months, we started first chapter of Mark, and, and the Lord led me to call this a life application series, where we weren't just going to look at Mark from a um, sort of a theological approach, which we could, or simply just simply to pull out the nuggets throughout Mark. But really, how does the, the teachings of Mark apply to my life? And so we've been through some things in that. I didn't realize at the time, I guess it was more prophetic than I realized, uh, how much the book of Mark would, and these series of Sunday mornings would parallel the journey my wife and I had been on. They were very prophetic. So much of what was spoke about here on Sunday mornings, we now um, have lived the last couple of weeks. From the very beginning, when we talked about in Mark chapter one, where Jesus simply gave the command, follow me, with nothing else behind it, but simply the command, follow me, all the way through to the extraordinary being in the ordinary. And uh, all of that and then a matter of the heart, revealing the heart, getting to the heart of the matter. Uh, 
And uh, I was reading through Mark, and uh, both Mark and Matthew give reference to the same event. They both talk about it. Matthew gives us a little more of an in-depth, but Mark gives us uh, the same story. He leaves out a few small details, but gives us the same thing. Um, and the placement of this story is important for us to see. If I look through the book of Mark, uh, the Bible that I actually, what's so funny about this, those of you, I got to throw this little, little nugget out there. When we started this journey, I didn't even bring my iPad. Thankfully, I brought my computer because I thought I may need it. I didn't even bring an iPad. I happened to have my Bible, which those of you that know, I haven't preached from a real Bible or spoken from a real Bible in years. It's just funny on this little journey God has us on. He stripped us of everything. So I have this little Bible right here and I don't even have a fancy iPad. I'm so not fancy today. Thankfully, I did pack a black t-shirt, so I'm somewhat, I don't think, uh, at least I look somewhat presentable. And the Lord's blessed me with a wooden background last week and this lovely wall this week. So uh, I'm so not fancy today. This is just about as down to earth as I can be. So if this is not your cup of tea, that's all I got to you. I, I, that's all I could give you today. Uh, I'm, I'm way out of the realm of fancy. Um, but Mark, if I look through Mark for a moment and I just read some of the headings, I don't know how your Bible is. I know you, I know they do it if you have an app, if you're using an app, but even this Bible, I have a, a good old fashioned printed Bible. There's headings on certain scriptures. Uh, and now we all know that the headings weren't originally there, but the um, the uh, tr the the people who put these Bibles together were very kind that they put headings on certain chunks of Scripture to kind of know what that part of Scripture is about. So if I go back through Mark chapter six and look through some of the events in Mark chapter six, verse thirty, we have the famous story, amazing story of Jesus feeding five thousand with five loaves and two fishes. And in case you don't know, uh, that was 5,000 men. So there was more there uh, than simply the 5,000. Um, we don't know how many we've been. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12,000 with five loaves and two fishes. What a miraculous story, tremendous story. So we have that. Then right after that, Mark says, that's verse 30. The very next story in Mark is Jesus walking on the water. Again, I mean, these are not just like small little, you know, I had a headache and got healed. These are 5,000 people being fed with five loaves and two fish, and they're being leftovers to Jesus walking on water. Amazing story. Followed by another story of healing. And then we get into the back and forth we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Jesus and the washing of hands and where Jesus said, it's not what's coming in you that defiles you, but it's what come, comes out of you that defiles you. And then we follow up with this 
powerful story, this powerful image of faith by this woman. We don't know her name. We just simply know her by her nationality and her and her her status. That she was simply the Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that was in need of healing. And Jesus basically tells her to go away. And her response back to Jesus was one of the greatest responses back of anyone in all of scripture. She said, well, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus said, I I haven't found faith like this anywhere. What a tremendous story. I mean, again, you're a disciple. You've seen this, right? You're not just hearing these stories. You're watching and witnessing this happen. So you've witnessed all the miracles up to now. You've witnessed all kinds of amazing things. You've witnessed Jesus stumping the Pharisees. You witnessed 5,000 being fed. You personally handed out the bread and the fish after it was blessed. You know it wasn't a joke. You know you could see it. You could smell it. You could taste it yourself. Then you see him uh, do all kinds of amazing miracles. Then you see this Syrophoenician woman. You see this powerful. And then we do all that and we see Jesus turn around and feed 4,000 with seven loaves. And a few plus people, probably when you toilet, when you, when you, when you put it all out, there'd be 15 to 20,000, but the scripture only tells us 9,000, uh, 9,000 people fed with 12 loaves of bread and maybe a half dozen fish. And not only that, but there was leftovers when it was all said and done. We have Jesus walking on water. We have people being healed, demons being cast out, blind seeing, lame walking, crazy stuff. Ending with this portion were 4,000 people or fed. And again, you've been a part of that. You're a disciple. You've helped pass out the bread. You've helped collect the fragments and put them in the basket. You know it's not a joke. You've touched it. You've felt it. You've smelled it. You've seen it happen before your eyes. You are, you're blown in some ways. But then something happens that is absolutely tragic. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 8 says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. In verse 17, and when Jesus knew it, he said unto them, why reason you because you have no bread? Perceive you not me, neither understand. Have your heart, have you your heart yet hardened? Having eyes see you not, having ears hear not, and do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among the 5,000 and how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, 
12. And when the seven among 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said seven. And then he says this drop the mic moment. Verse 21. And he said unto them, how is it that you do not understand? Now, that little portion of scripture, those seven verses, somewhat seem like a little footnote because then we get into this healing of the blind man. Peter confesses that Jesus is Christ. Seemingly just this woven tapestry. But again, Mark is telling us a story. He's not giving us a play-by-play. He's telling us a story. He's preaching us a message. What is he trying to tell us here? What is he trying to tell us here? Because if you look at the series of stuff that comes right after this, you find that this moment on the boat, and we're going to get back to this in just a second, so don't forget this. Immediately followed by a miracle story. The miracle story was verse 22, and he said, and he came unto Bethsaida, and they bring and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hand upon him, he answered him and saw him, uh, and he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again on his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent the house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. And then the next chunk of scripture, hopefully you're looking at this, or we'll look at it when I'm done, is this powerful in verse 27, and Jesus went out of town and is just into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, that I am, and some answered John the Baptist, others say Elias, one of the prophets, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said to him, thou art the Christ. And he charged them, tell no man. I want you to look at this sort of, not just in the individual parts, but let's pull back for a second and look at what Mark's trying to tell you and I, because this is huge for you and me. I love the miracles that God has allowed me to participate in and the miracles he's done in my own life. I carry a scar right here on my hand. It's not as dark as it used to be when I was a kid. Age and sun has kind of worn it down. But I carry a scar here on my arm that's the shape of a moon. You can still see the outline there. When I was younger, it was very visible. It's faded over time. Uh, when I was just a young child, just a, uh, around a year old, I had pulled boiling water onto me. Onto, I pulled boiling water off uh, out of a cup onto my hand and leg, and it uh, burned my leg down to the bone. It burned my arm down to the bone. And uh, I was supposed to receive skin grafts and all kinds of other treatments. But the Lord caused skin to grow where there was no skin and healed and my leg is completely whole, no scars, and left just this little piece of skin here that was, you can't even see that. I don't think you can see it anymore. Where it was just 
little half moon that uh, left a reminder of what he did. I was too young to remember. I was too little to know what was going on. But as I grew older, I carried around this little scar as a testimony to the miracle of my life. And God has allowed me to have things in my life that he's done for me that were miraculous. And he has allowed me to participate in things where um, I've been used as the vessel to speak words of healing and deliverance and God has done miracles, signs and wonders. And I'm very thankful for those moments. But it's funny, I was, honestly, this is before the Lord. This is a, I, I really don't look at this anymore. Some of you that have been around a long time, know me for a long time. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. I don't really look at this anymore. But it's really funny. Now that I'm telling this, telling you again, I honestly can't really see. I can see a little bit here, but that's about all I can see left of this scar. That I, I'm, I'll be 41 next month. For 41 years, I've carried around a scar, and I'm actually looking at it, and probably in another couple of years, it'll be completely gone. I've often asked this. What is the shelf life of a miracle? I'm very thankful for the miraculous. I believe in the miraculous. But what is the what is the shelf life of a miracle? You go to the grocery store, right? You go to the bread aisle, you go to the milk, go to the eggs. What is the one thing you check or or the meat you should check? Maybe you don't check it. Maybe you should maybe you should start today. Probably if you're not doing it, you probably should start doing it. Or you what do you do when you go to these a meat, eggs, bread, milk, those type things? What do you look at? One of the things you do is look at the expiration date. We look for, my wife and I, when we shop, she looks for the one that's this. We don't want to buy milk that today is the expiration date. We don't want to buy meat that was expired yesterday. We don't want to buy eggs that are, we look at this because we know that foods have an expiration date. They have a they have a a, a a a date on them. Now I get it. Some of you are like, well, that date really is arbitrary. Doesn't okay, fine, whatever. Someone's putting a date on there. Whether it's a scam to get me to buy more, I don't know. But until otherwise, I'm gonna go with the date. Okay, you eat your out of date food. I'm gonna eat the food when it tells me to eat it by. Maybe it's a scam. Maybe I'm one of those dumb Americans into the into the uh, the trap of spending more money. Okay, well, I'll just, please let me be naive. I will continue to buy food that's not expired. Knock yourself out. If I don't get my food and it expires and you want it, I'll give it to you. God bless you. I looked at this scar on my hand today for the first time. I realized 
that miracle that I received when I was one year old, it had an expiration date. Because now, when I told the story when I was 20, I could lift up my arm like this right now, and you could easily see, even on a camera, you could have easily seen this half moon shaped dark part there. You would have seen it easily. Um, but now it's faded, it's gone. In fact, it's basically, if I showed it to you right now, you'd be like, is you really making that up? Because I don't really see. I mean, I even know where it is and I barely can see it. This miracle had a shelf life. I love this. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Welcome to streaming in the middle of nowhere. One second. My apologies. Test one, two. Okay. I'm not really sure what happened there. But I gotta be honest with you. There has been a lot of crazy things that happened on this trip we're on, and it doesn't surprise me that now this is getting crazier. So, if I just messed up your eardrums there, I apologize. I have no idea what that was. Um, test one, two. If I'm still working, would someone text me and let me know? Honestly, I mean that sincerely. Because um, I can't see anything, and it sounds like a bad echo. So I'm hoping it's still working. Hello. Anyone? Thumbs up? Test one, two. Okay, I got a thumbs up. It's working. The Lord is continuing to work on my pride. All right. There is an echo, uh, but I'm echoing. I have no idea why I'm echoing. I apologize. There is an echo. Wow. I have no idea. Literally in the middle of that that just happened. Father, I don't know what all this is about. I don't even know how to fix it. And Lord, in my pride, this is another humbling moment. But Lord, this moment you have us in, this, I can't, I have no idea how to fix this echo. I don't even know where it's coming from. But I just give all this to you. I give it all to you. I'll continue to talk even if it's an echo. I'll turn off this broadcast if you want me to do it. Or whatever you desire to do. In Jesus' name, take authority over every spirit that's warring against this right now in the name of Jesus. I curse it right now in Jesus' name. Speak against every opposition in the spirit. I curse it in Jesus' name. I rebuke you, Satan, from working 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of the word, by the authority of the name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I, uh, I wish I could tell you what all this is about. <laughs> I apologize for the echo. I'm literally sitting right here and uh, not doing anything. I will say this. I don't say this in any way to, uh, <laughs> hope y'all don't mind me just being real and uh, down to earth here today. When you've been doing what we've done the last two weeks, it's kind of hard to be fancy today. I just, it's kind of hard to be anything other than just real. I don't know what all this is about. So those of you that don't know anything about what's happened the last couple weeks, you can go back and watch last week. And uh, listen, but there's something God's trying to get us to do. God's trying to show us here at Antioch West that the devil does not want. I'm sorry, hold on one second, huh? Yeah, it's been on you. Sorry, we're working through technical issues. Um, something about this journey. All I can say is I don't think the devil wants this message out. It's not because of me, God help us, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I got more flaws than you can even begin to imagine. So when I say that, I don't put myself on a pedestal above anybody else. I just simply say that with pure, pure humility. I just know whatever God's trying to do or say, the devil doesn't want out. It has nothing to do with me or promoting Antioch. I mean, if you know anything about me, I've desired to do things with a spirit of excellence. We've spent money on broadcast stuff. We've spent money on backdrops and studio equipment and lighting. And here I am sitting at this, last week I was in a little cabin with a wooden wall. This week I'm on a, I did get a, I did find this white wall behind me, which was nice. 
I don't know what God is doing and what you perceive to be happening. I can only tell you what I know in my spirit and what I feel the Holy Ghost is. And I sense in the Holy Ghost. There's something happening beyond just simple, normal, come to Jesus, come to church, do the church thing. There's something that is happening that's beyond that. Well beyond that. And the only reason I know that is sometimes you can't judge where you're going by what you see, but you can judge where you're going by the reaction of the enemy. And the enemy has been attacking us in levels I've never experienced before. I told the leadership this morning at 9 a.m. today, I have not felt that mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually drained in a long, long time. I almost felt like I could have slept all day. And the Lord revealed to me later on in the day that was not natural what I was feeling. I was feeling the supernatural resistance. So we began to pray. I woke up this morning, I feel normal. It wasn't because I had a great night's sleep, it was just because this is spiritual. So it doesn't surprise me, and I appreciate all the texts. Thank you, all, everyone that's text. I appreciate that. And all the um, things, uh, I appreciate that, but I, I don't think it was technical because I didn't touch a button and I've been using the same setup that I've done all last week and the same this week and all of a sudden out of nowhere it stopped working. So maybe it's just simply coincidence and we'll chalk it up to coincidence. I'm just simply saying nothing at this point in time shocks me, nothing at this point surprises me. Not that I need some kind of crazy echo and sound issue to verify that what we're doing is ordained by God, but it's just another thing that something is taking place. I keep getting this alert. Maybe that's part of the issue here. I keep getting this alert on my screen that keeps saying that the Connection quality is too low. I don't know what that, how to fix that. It is what it is. But God's trying to tell us something. God's trying to show us something. And I'll just cut to it because I don't know how much more long, much time I have left before this whole thing stops working. The disciples had just seen 4,000 people fed with seven loaves. They'd seen 5,000 fed with five loaves. 12 loaves for 9,000. They get on a boat, 12 of them. They have one loaf. One loaf. And apparently in that moment, they had a meltdown somewhat because Jesus responds to back about 11 and their response back to him and the Bible says they reasoned and responded back to him with but we only have one loaf wait a minute time out you said you had one loaf now you're telling us you have no bread 
Look at it. Verse 14 gives us to make sure we understand. Verse 14, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them no more than one loaf. They've got one loaf, one for 12. Even without a miracle, one loaf of bread for 12 guys, each guy could at least get a piece, okay? 9,000 people plus 12 pieces, 12 loaves of bread. That's not good math. 12 guys, one piece of bread. At least you're getting a bite. And then Jesus, they were, but they were struggling with this whole thing. And Jesus gave them a charge about the leaven. And they said, and they reasoned among themselves saying, we're struggling because we have no bread. Wait a minute. You have bread. But we have no bread. They couldn't even realize what they had because they were so frustrated with what they didn't have. They couldn't see the power of where they had. And then the worst part about all of it, which Jesus points out, and it says in verse 17, and Jesus knew it and said to them, why reason you? Because you have no bread. Like Jesus saying, what do you mean you have no bread? Perceive you not, nor do you understand? And then is your heart hardened? Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean your heart is hardened? What are you talking about? Their heart is hardened? This is a heart issue? You thought me? Wait a minute. This is just a fact I'm hungry. It's not that big of a deal. I'm hungry. Give me some bread. Let's move on. I'll do whatever you want to do, God. You know, just give us some bread. We're on this journey. We just want to eat. Not a big deal. Jesus said, this is a heart issue with you guys again. Guess what? We're back to the heart. Another heart issue. <laughs> he says to them, have you eyes but can't see? Have you ears but can't hear? And then he asked this question, do you not remember? I wonder how many of us God is asking that same question today when we're sitting, we're going through right now and we're going through all the list of things in our life and God's going, do you not remember? Do you not remember what it was like when you were lost, but now you were found? Do you not remember what it was like when you were broken? You were empty by sin, but I washed you and I filled you. Do you not remember? But God, we've got no bread. But God, I'm going through so much right now. God, this is so difficult. Do you have eyes but can't see? Do you have ears but can't hear? Do you not remember? And then he asked him, how many baskets were left over when I fed the 5,000? Not only did he take five loaves and feed 5,000, but he fed them so well, there were 12 baskets full. Not little baskets. These were baskets. 12 baskets full of leftovers that they had eaten and eaten and eaten. And they didn't want any more. They said, that's enough. It wasn't like they were just fragments because everyone got a piece. That means the leftovers were because they had all they needed and more and took doggy bags home with them. And there were still leftovers. That's the abundance of Jesus Christ. How many were left over? He said, 12. How many were left over when I fed the 4,000? They said seven. 19 baskets full of leftovers. And then he asked them simply, how is it that you don't understand? 
How do you not understand? How do you not see this? So many of you right now are chasing the miracle that you have lost track of the one who's in the boat. God, if you would just do a miracle. Oh God, if you could just do a miracle here. God, if you could just do that. Just where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? And Jesus is standing in the boat going, what miracle? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. You don't need a miracle to get to God. You need me. I'm so convinced on this journey we've been on the last two weeks. I'm convinced. I've been there. I've felt it. I've, I've reasoned it out like they did. I had the same reasoning they did. I'm like, God, if you would just let us have miracles and signs and wonders, man, people would flock to us, God. You know, what, you know where, where are the miracles of Acts? If we could just do like Peter and John did. And Peter, Peter said, you know, silver and gold have I not but such as I have, give I you, rise up and walk. Man, if we could just go into the cancer ward down at the local hospital right now, we could walk in there and we'd just say, in Jesus' name be healed, in Jesus' name be healed, in Jesus' name be healed. And people are pulling out IVs out of their arm and all of a sudden uh, chemo is stopping and, and all of a sudden tumors are shrinking and people are going healed, healed, healed. That would certainly be it. And then that would just absolutely turn the world upside down. Hate to break it to you. No. Hate to break it to you. No. I'm determined we want miracles not for him. We want miracles for our own validation. For our own entertainment. For our own pleasure. God, I want to see the miracles. Miraculous. Why? Because, God, I want you to... No, it's really so that people will know you're right to validate you. It's not really for him. Jesus is saying to him, you got bread. You got one loaf of bread. I fell for 12. I fed 9,000 with 12 loaves and had 19 baskets of leftovers. And I'm standing right here and you can't see me. You can't hear me. And you can't even remember what I did. Do you not understand I know some of you are so spiritually inclined that this is too simple for you, but I got to be frank with you. On the little journey we've been on the last two weeks, it's been stripped down to everything. It's only thing left in us is him. It's just him. I'm so determined. I see it more clearly now than ever before. The world doesn't need miracles, signs, and wonders. Will they come? Sure. Is it necessary? Nah. No. Sorry to break it to you. I know some of you struggle with that. They don't need that. Oh, yes, they do. They, we need miracles. Really? Okay, let's go through it. Just because we just got to gotta pop that balloon once and for all. How many miracles did Jesus do? How many them followed him to the cross? If miracles were so awesome and important and necessary, 
Why didn't they follow him to the cross? Where were the blind? Where were the broken? Where were the lame that, where were the dead that were raised? They weren't at the cross. Lazarus was resurrected, but he wasn't even listed as the, those that are part of the 120. Miracles, signs, wonders. It's not what we need or the world needs. They need true, authentic, and real Jesus. And they need people who are living out that true, authentic, and real Jesus. Not fluff, not stuff, not Sunday morning to Sunday morning, but just truly every day living it out. Where he leads, you follow. Where he goes, you go. What he says, say, you say. Because we see this and the other tragic scripture in the Gospels where Jesus goes and he weeps at the tomb of Lazarus. Not because he was weeping because Lazarus was gone. He was weeping because they had missed the fact that Lazarus was dead, but he was the resurrection and the life. What's amazing? This takes place right here. The very next story Mark gives us is the story of the blind man where Jesus speaks to him, heals him, and then he says, I only see his trees, perceived men as trees. And then Jesus prays for him again. He's clear and healed. And then the very next portion of scripture is the revelation of who he is. You know what that really proves to me? The miraculous doesn't equate to revelation of who he is. The Bible says when he healed the blind man that the blind man saw men as trees. There's so many different ways you could interpret that, but the Lord was showing me something in that that he really could see. He just didn't understand what he was seeing. The miracle had brought sight. Jesus didn't do a half job. Some of you think, well, maybe he, it was blurry. Really, Jesus heals him and he can't finish the job? Really? It's like Jesus healing the lame man and only fixing one leg. Well, my right leg's good, Lord, but my left leg, it just keeps dragging behind me. Okay, let's pray again. Both legs. Jesus heals him, but he goes, I can't see men, but only as trees. Well, he was blurry. His eyes were blurry. He needed to be, he needed, needed to be cleared again. No, he had a miracle of the eyes, but the next one was a miracle of revelation. Not the same. He had a physical miracle, but physical miracles don't equal the same as a miracle of revelation. Because just after that, the same story of revelation is told 
where Jesus said to who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but it's come through revelation. Can I tell you this? You who are watching and Antioch West as a whole, we need to stop seeking God for the miraculous, for the things that we're going to show the world. We're, we, we're, we know what we're talking about. We need to seek that we can show and live and be the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not so that we can have miracle signs and wonders for the validation of us. It's so that we can show Jesus because miracles will leave them seeing but cannot see. It will leave them hearing, but they won't be able to hear because miracles will only lead them part of the way. The true miracle is what Peter said. Thou art the Christ, the son of living God. And Jesus said, this is not a miracle. This is through the revelation of the spirit. It's amazing some of you that are watching today that your life could simply be changed this moment if instead of seeking for physical things or natural things or current things, if you would just seek him and you go, well, I am seeking him. I thought I was seeking him two weeks ago. I literally thought if you had asked me two weeks ago and I was sincerely seeking him, what I've been through, my wife and I, my three kids and our dog have been through the last two weeks. I had no clue about seeking him. Funny story, this is, how, this is how detailed God is get, getting with all of this. My kids have been on this journey with us and we included them in this. I said last week, we don't know how else to do it. Can't shield it from them. So we've been telling them every time, guys, we're following God, following him, wherever he's taking us. Where are we going? I don't know. What are we going to do? I don't know. Are we going to have fun when we get there? I don't know. Where are we going to stay? I don't know. Where are we sleeping tonight? I don't know. Where are we going to eat? I don't know. So last, about four days ago, five, to get, five days ago, we were in a situation had an activity that they could do. We'd been in the car at that time like 60-something hours in four days, five days. We were driving 12 hours a day. And, uh, they needed a moment. So he prayed and said, Lord, would you lead us to where you want us to go, what you want us to do? I said, the Lord, we said, Lord, our kids could use a break, but if you don't want us to have a break, we'll keep driving to the place where you want us to have that for our kids. So, okay. So we told him, I said, guys, uh, we're going to follow the Lord. If he opens the door, we're going to do something. If not, then we're going to keep driving. Okay, Dad. I can't tell you that they were super spiritual. Noah's like, you know, oh, I think Noah was struggling with that whole thing. Nine-year-olds not really comprehending all of this. So we go to the one activity. Move past it. There was nobody there. Empty. We got out. Did it. Ten minutes was done. When we got done, this is not, I, I, you can ask my kids, they'll tell you. When we got done this little activity and walked back to our car, there were 50 people in line. I don't know where they came from. We weren't there that long. 
This is no joke. They weren't, we weren't there more than 10 minutes. There was nobody there. He left 10 minutes later. There was 50 people in line. And I laughed. Guys, look, look right there. And my little 9, 11, and 14-year-old, and they're still little to me, all said, Dad, I think Jesus wanted us to do this. I said, I think you're right. Well, there was something about two miles down the road. Same thing. Same similar activity. They're like, Dad, well, if Jesus wanted to do this, can we go do the next one? Let's drive down. We're, we're two miles. Two miles. We're not hundreds of miles. Two miles away. We drive two miles down the road to this activity. It's exactly the same thing. We get down there. There must have been 100 people in line. And I said, guys, I don't, obviously that's not what the Lord wants us to do. So they said, can we find something else? I said, sure, we'll find something else. So we drove around. No, 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 nothing, 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 nothing. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, I, I'm, I get what you're doing, but my, I got some, I got some young, young, young minds here that don't really comprehend all this. And I asked the Lord, I said, would you help us here? We need your help. I said, guys, what do you want to do? I said, nothing seems to, the, we're not finding anything. The Lord's not opening any doors. Well, what do you want to do? And I think I forgot who it was. He said, can we get ice cream? I said, okay. I guess we'll try to get ice cream. If you want some ice cream, we can try to get some ice cream. Lord, where do you want us to go? Literally, this is exactly how it's been. I said, Lord, where do you want, to go, want us to go get ice cream? So we're driving, trying to find an ice cream place. Now, granted, the place we're in, it was crowded. It was the last hurrah of summer vacation for most because people were going back to school. There are people everywhere. We, we did one activity. Guys, I don't think God wants us to do anything here. And we get down the road and there's a basket of robins. I know, right? Basket of robins, nothing there was no holy cathedral. It was just Baskin and Robbins. In the middle of this area where there's people everywhere, and we looked over, and literally there was no line. And my kids said, Dad, look, there's no line. We drove over, I think in two minutes, we had ice cream, and it was fresh. And I say that not to be funny, because if you've ever been to Baskin and Robbins, it's not always the best. Guy scream. And when we drove near that Baskin Robbins again, it always had a line. Every, you say, well, this is silly. You're being silly. You're just being, you're, you're reading into all of this. It's all circumstance. Well, I got about 400 other stories just like that in the last two weeks. If you want to believe it's coincidence, knock yourself out. I don't say that because God's telling you to do that or this is about some kind of, I said all that because in all of this whole thing, it's really just been about him. Because in the end, these disciples who saw these miracles, those miracles faded away. In the end, it was just left with just a cross and a grave and a command to follow me. Brother Scott Shelton 
when he was on Antioch West last year on a, one of our broadcasts we did during the heart of COVID, made this statement, and I think it's so beautifully said, but so true. We have sought his hand and not his face. We could have sought what he can do for us and not who he is. We've sought the things of God, but we have not sought God. We've sought his direction, but not his presence. We've sought his blessing, but haven't fellowshiped with him in his suffering. We love to talk about what God can do, but we neglect to find out who he truly is. You see, miracles come. Miracles, signs, and wonders, blessings, all that come. But if you get him, you get all that. He told Mary and Martha, you want me to raise your brother from the dead? Is that all you want out of me? I am the resurrection and the life. If you get me, you get everything. I know for some of you, you're looking at this going, oh, this is so simple. This is so, I mean, we know all this already. Move on. I'm sorry. You may know it in here, but you're not living it in here. This is not it. This is, we're not, we don't live this. We live in the sensational. We live seeking for the next sign, the next wonder, the next time. We don't live day by day walking with him, just him. There's an old hymn. I don't know if it's a hymn. It's just a song. I can hear my mom singing it. My mom, for those of you that don't know, my mom was the worship leader at our church for years, and I can still hear her singing this on the organ. It's an old song that says, just to walk with him means everything to me. Just to know his hand is leading me. Though the world may pass me by, go their way, let me be. Just to walk with him means everything to me. Today is not very fancy. I don't even know if the echo is still there. I'm presuming it's not. A little prayer work there. Kicking the devil in the teeth there. Messing with the sound. Simply, it's, there's no emotion. It's an invitation. All I'm saying is God's giving all of us an invitation. To simply walk with him. Simply walk with him. Just that song, that old song. Just to walk with him means everything to me. Just to know he's there, his hand is leading me. Though the world may pass me by, 
go their way. Let me be. Just to walk with him means everything to me. That's it. That sums everything up. Right there. Do you not remember? Do you not understand? Just to walk with me means everything. I'm the bread of life. There's a call in the spirit. God is calling those who are hungry out of religion, out of the trappings of the do's and the don'ts, the for, living for God, working for God. He's calling a group of people to a place of intimacy and fellowship. Because you know what? Five loaves and seven loaves fed 9,000. One loaf was enough for 12. 12 men were enough to turn the world upside down. That's the problem. And I, I know that. I get it. I've struggled with it. God doesn't need hundreds and thousands. He needs just one who is willing. One that is willing. Who's willing to say, here I am. Here I am. I guess my question to you today is, is, is that you? Are you willing to say, here I am? Here I am. I'll follow you where you lead me. I'll do what you say to do. Nothing more, nothing less. I'm not saying you got to get in your car and drive across the country like he's asked my wife and I to do. I get it. I'm not, I don't think he's asking you to do that. But he's asking you to do something. You need to lay something down. There's something that he's going to ask you to do. And the question is, are you going to be willing to say, yes, there it is. It might be a dream. It might be a relationship. It might be a future. It might be secure. Whatever it is, he might ask something of you. I say this this morning, and I hesitate to say it now because I think some of you will misinterpret it. But my wife and I have had this conversation, and we've even had it with our kids. Right now, we're willing. If the Lord tells us to go home, we sell everything we have, and we live in this trailer and this truck we have. We told God, that's, if that's what you want, we're willing to do it. You say, well, that's just being sensational. Well, it didn't. It wasn't sensational because we shared it with our kids. They all started crying. God, you think God's going to make us sell our house? We said, guys, we don't know, but we all need to make sure we're willing. But I've, I like my room. I get it. I like my bed. But we got to be willing to tell Jesus we'll do anything he wants us to do. And my little... Fourteen-year-old, eleven-year-old, nine-year-old. When the emotion of the moment stopped, they all said, "Dad, if that's what Jesus wants, we'll go home too, and we'll we'll, we'll sell it all." Is that what we're going to do? I don't know. No idea, but. 
It's what it takes to say, God, I will follow you wherever you go. It's not just asking that of a 41-year-old and a 38-year-old man and woman. He has a 14, 11. Stand at the time, what this all about? They thought they were going on a vacation, and here we are, ended up in the middle of the country doing God knows what every day. And to watch with humility and humbleness to watch them say, Dad, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll follow him too. I say that this morning not to make you feel or to make us proud or pump us up. I'm saying that I just want to follow him. I sit here every Sunday morning and I struggle because here we are again and a lot of ways, this looks so foolish. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking this, I mean, just doing this right now, looking at this, I just feel so stupid. I got to be honest with you. This feels so dumb. It feels so out of place. It so feels so, we've passed churches on this trip that would, are breathtaking. You go online and see people, thousands of people watching certain ones. And here we are driving around a country in a trailer with our kids half the time looking like we're idiots. Just following him. For so long I was wanting to know what impact we were having. You know, what, what impact are we doing? Who are we reaching? And I realized on this trip, it doesn't matter the impact or not. The impact is following him. Whether we have impact or not, doesn't matter. Because you can have impact and not follow him. You can chase the impact of a moment and forget him. It says follow him. So I don't really have any other great words of wisdom to share with you today. Just simply this. How far are you willing to go? Well, I've already gone far. Trust me, there's places that he'll take you that are beyond where you are now, but you've got to be willing to say, Lord, I'm putting everything on the table, all of it on the table. If he would ask a 14, 11, 9-year-old to do that, you think he's going to let any of us off the hook? Now, I'm not going to say there'll be a for sale sign in my house next week. I don't know. Don't hold me to that. But I'm, we're willing whether we do it or not, doesn't validate or change this statement. It's just that we're willing. The question is, what are you willing to get, give up? How far are you willing to go to follow him? There's a group of people that God's going to call, and we're going to answer the call. And I, will, I won't tell you, wow, we're going to see amazing things. God's going to do awesome things. I can't give you that. I can't give you that guarantee. But he's just going to take us to a place of intimacy and fellowship with him. And you know what? That's, all, that's good enough. So I'm sorry today. It's very raw, very non-professional. I just give a, I was sitting up nice and proper. I, I can't even do that anymore. I'm not very Sunday morning-like. This. I got nothing else but to say, how far are you willing to go?
That's what he wants to know. How far? Jesus, you stand at the door and knock today. I can feel you knocking. I can hear the echo of your voice calling. So many of us struggle with things in our flesh. We struggle with things that we don't even realize that are keeping us from intimacy with you. But Father, you're so gracious. You're so kind and so loving. So today I pray, Lord, that you would just be patient with us and that you would continue to knock. And for those that answer the call, we might start off seeing trees, but Father, I pray that you would not stop until you revealed that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. For those of us that are living with a partial revelation, we've been forgiven, we've been set free, but we only see trees. God, I pray now in Jesus' name that you would take us to the fullness of revelation of who you are, who you are to us. Find a spirit of religious tradition that is keeping us from seeing only trees, that keeps us looking at you as a tree, that keeps us looking at the things around us and not perceiving what they truly are. I bind the spirit of religious tradition. I command it to loose the scales of our eyes that we can see that you truly are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I speak all these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God.